I turned it into this whole night series. And it was just basically the buildings that I passed on my evening walk back to my housing after being in the studio all day. It was just kind of little random snapshots of what I was finding in this very small Vermont town. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 183rd episode, we're joined by Christopher Burke, who currently resides in Columbus, Ohio, where he is a painter of the urban landscape. And we talk a bit about two solo shows that he has opening up this year, one oil paint and the other gouache on paper. So stay tuned for that interview. Of course, if you're joining us for the first time, we do want to remind you Studio Break is a podcast and blog site. We feature a variety of different artists. They come on and they share insight into their studio practice. Again, each of our posts have images of the artist's work as well as links to their websites and these discussions about their studio practice. So please check them out. If you'd like to be one of those artists appearing on Studio Break... We have our 2017 Pro Competition now open through September 1st. Once again, our juror this year is Bill Conger of Heartbreaker Gallery in Peoria, Illinois. He'll be selecting three artists for an upcoming episode of Studio Break. And in addition to that, he'll be selecting an artist for a solo exhibition. On top of that, Osage Arts Community is so kind in offering a two-week residency for another winner. So once again, a number of prizes. The application process is super easy. Submit a small fee and email 10 images in an artist statement or your web address and you are done. So once again, if you are a visual artist, apply today. And if you know any visual artists that you know would like this opportunity, tell them to apply. We really appreciate any help spreading the word. Of course, a great way to stay on top of Studio Break is to follow us on social media so you don't miss anything like our very new video podcast series on YouTube. So check it out, Studio Break on YouTube. We also have a Facebook page, so please like it. You can follow our Twitter account at Studio Break. And in addition to that, you can follow us now on Instagram, Studio underscore Break. So please do that. All right, with that out of the way, here is our interview with Christopher Burke. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Christopher Burke. How are you this morning? I'm good, David. How are you? Excellent. We've been catching up for a little bit since we've uh, tried this once, so we're on round two. As you know, yesterday from our conversation, we kind of like to get a background and all your history to kind of see where you're at now. So, as mm-hmm. always, are, are you from uh, the Columbus area? I am. I am uh, born and raised. And so were you always kind of interested in, in art making and, and being creative as a, a, a little kid? Immensely. I've kind of always, in my mind at least, identified as an artist, even as a, as a child. Just always drawing or painting or anything art-related. Even uh, making things by clay and as a child, you know, just always totally wanted to be immersed in art all of the time, 24-7. And again, a lot of times in terms of like subjects, um, I think we talked about this, like, you know, people do comics or something like that. What mm-hmm. kind of things mm-hmm. were you interested in terms of uh, drawing then? At, the t- uh, at a young age, um, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, was really just all about becoming an animator. I loved just that whole idea behind it. And and um, really, at the time, I, I I wanted to work for Disney as, you know, that's. I would always just draw always cartoons. I mean, that's that's a lot of it at that point. Any time there were 
free time, I'm just drawing constantly. And it's all, it was always cartoons for the most part, from what I can remember. Well, it's interesting, too, because based on our technology <clears throat> conversation we're having a little bit, you know, I think mm-hmm. back to, like, the Disney store, and I would remember going to see, like, those original, like, hand-painted cells. The cells, right. And it'd be like, whoa, you know, like, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is, like, original artwork. It was interesting to think about it relative to that experience. Right, right. And that, I mean, this is when I'm talking, you know, uh, 30 years, well, 25 to 30 years ago. I mean, that's way before all the CGI kind of stuff. So everything, again, at that time, I mean, it was, you had an, an animator literally sitting there at an easel or a table and they're hand drawing every cell, you know, now it's a little different, but yeah, that was when everything was hand drawn and I just, I wanted to do that. And so again, you kind of like, are maybe like one of those art artistic kids that are kind of caught up in all that, you know, making mm-hmm. and, and kind of being with your hands. Um, as you kind of got older, was there any kind of transition or, you know, change that took place to that, that kind of, I don't know, just reframed how you might, I don't know, pursue it or your interest in the arts. At some point, the, I guess maybe as maturing as a teenager, the fascination of the cartoon type of genre had uh, ended. And, um, you know, again, coming back to that being a kid that was always immersed in art, going to the library and getting art history books and just soaking in art from different time periods and, um, you know, different techniques and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that was kind of formative for me as a young adult, I would say towards probably the end of middle school into high school and kind of teaching myself in addition to taking classes, you know, the academic way that most of us are taught in like an art school. This was pre-art school, but, you know, kind of teaching myself some of that stuff, setting up still lifes in my bedroom at 15 years old and learning how to, to draw and paint and learn, you know, value and all of that kind of stuff. Those were so formative now that I look back at them. I mean, granted, I learned a lot in school as well, but, you know, it was interesting to kind of teach myself things by doing. I mean, we we all do that, you know, but also from picking up books and getting influences from other artists and seeing how they did one thing as opposed to how another was done and, you know, and, uh, you know, back and forth like that. Sure, sure. So your parents just drop you off the library? Pretty much, pretty much, yep. Uh, as a kid, I would take at the Columbus College of Art and Design where I went to school from elementary into high school. I did a, they have a program that's Saturday morning art classes. And there, um, you learn painting and drawing. And then there was like a, a third, not elective, but a third program. And sometimes it was 2D design or ceramics or something like that. So that was something that before I had a license, especially, I mean, that's, my dad would drop me off every Saturday morning and it was a three or four hour, you know, program class. And, um, you know, and it'd be time to go home and I'd still draw and paint even more, you know, it was just, so just again, coming back to that as a kid, it was like, you know, just a sponge when it came to art, just couldn't get enough. And I felt like that that's still true, you know, to today. So, well, and so thinking about it relative to that time frame, then it was kind of like an easy then decision to kind of move on and like I'm I, gonna I, go to college for fine art. Being a painter is something that I've always wanted to be. So I known for as long as, as as long as I can remember that that was something that I wanted to be a painter. When it came time to looking at schools after high school and or colleges and 
I, I knew that I was going to be a fine art painter. That's what my major was going to be. And so where did you, where did you do your studies and, and what uh, was that experience? Well, can we begin to break down that experience, but Columbus College of Art and Design. I was curious, you know, like, because there's a lot, a lot of, you know, students that I have will have a lot of experience and I don't know, in, in a lot of ways, they're almost kind of artists already, you know, even mm-hmm, starting, mm-hmm, starting college. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like, relative to like the kind of skills that you might have had, was it something where they kind of really pushed you to kind of, I don't know, move beyond what you knew how to do? Because again, and we might be jumping way ahead, but you know, you mm-hmm. think about the detail oriented kind of nature of your work now, I would think that kind of in terms of building skills and really pushing these abilities, it would be something that would be kind of really invaluable at the time. I would say that just for like a, at that level is already feeling like an artist going into, into an art school, you know, learning what I had already taught myself and learned elsewhere. I feel like the, at the time, the instructors, they really just, they just helped me grow. But, but essentially it seems like then you had a certain amount of skill and they certainly right. pushed you, but that right. self-determinism is the, the main driving force behind what you're doing. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. And so were there people that you studied at the time or was it kind of like, I'm Um, always curious because like, again, I mean, I was painting like five shapes, you know, like, I mean, by the time that I left undergraduate school, I was painting these color field paintings of like five shapes. And I probably mm -hmm. never thought in my life that I'd be painting uh, anything detail oriented or, you know, representational, Mm -hmm. whatever that means, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Right. But what kind of work were you kind of interested in making when you, when you kind of went through there as you as you had your thesis or capstone or whatever they did there? As you can see f- from my work now, the landscape has always been a big thing for me. I just, it's just always kind of resonated with me. And um, even more so the urban landscape. That is something uh, in the way of uh, subject matter resonated with me. And that was probably, I had a, an instructor in, in college and that's the type of work that she did. And um I can remember being, you know, 18, 19 years old, 20 years old, seeing her work and just being absolutely blown away by it and thinking that's what I want to do. But in my own way, not, you know, reproducing or being a copycat, if you will. But just I there was just uh, there was something that pulled me into that work. So that was kind of like even though the the love of the landscape had kind of always been there after seeing her work, it really kind of. You know, it just solidified what I wanted to do in a way. I look at a lot of pre and post war, a lot of representational work in the way of there were a lot of artists from that time period that, you know, were big influence as well. But just by picking up books and reading about them and people like Sheeler and Birchfield and Hopper and those kind of guys, I really liked the imagery again. Their work was very similar to the work that influenced me from the the instructor that I had in college. I would say that was kind of like a turning point for me where I I knew that that's what I wanted to do in the way of imagery, but it was just a matter of finding my voice and how do I, how do I find what I want, you know, that I use to show my voice, you know, that was about the time that I really kind of was all about this, like kind of urban landscape thing. Well, and I'm curious at the time, I mean, have you been doing like a lot of traveling around the country, seeing like different cities, different places? And Not really. I'm not much of a traveler. I always say I would like to. It's just a matter of time and funds. But in terms of like developing it with your painting, again, you, you graduate and I believe that, you know, you had, you had said that you had kind of moved on. Um, what was that? What did you wind up doing after you graduated and, and getting that all tied up? 
there was a, a lull for a while where not a lot of I wasn't producing a lot of work. Still, kind of trying to find my voice and 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 that type of you know. And uh, eventually, at a point, I decided to leave Columbus and I moved to New York. Just like that. Uh, it was something that I had I had I had thought and spoken about for a number of years, and then the moment came, and I thought, you know what, this is. If I don't try it now, then I, I'm not sure it'll ever happen at this point. So I just I made the jump and left. Left uh, during the height of the recession in 2007. I uh, couldn't have picked a better time. So I got to New York and finding my voice. Again, that's, that's something that I always kind of – I struggled with for quite a while, of finding the imagery that I wanted to, to be known for and to show people. And um, so that was kind of – that was the, one of the main goals that, um, again, that love of the urban landscape. And I loved New York and I uh, – that was the place that I went to. So I got settled into New York. Again, this was during the recession, and there were not a lot of jobs, basically. So I took a job, working a corporate job. The money was pretty good, but I just thought, you know, I'm just going to take it for now because I needed the funds, and I'll paint on the side in, in my free time and then kind of start getting a business plan together And uh, when it came to the art. I did that for a number of years. Again, I would paint on the side, but it wasn't anything routine. I mean, it was every once in a while, even though I still identified as an artist. And if anybody asked me what I did, that's what I that's how I identified myself. It wasn't that I worked at this job for it was I'm an artist. You know, there may have been six months in between each painting or longer sometimes. So that had went on for a number of years, um, even though there was very little painting happening. I was occasionally taking photos and that was kind of my creative outlet for in a way, you know just for myself and um, did that for a number of years. And I just got to a point where I knew that for myself, I needed to be painting more. And I knew that working, you know, working this day job, at least for myself, I know others do balance both, but I just, for me, I couldn't find the right equation for it. And I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't do this anymore. I had to paint uh, for my own well-being. So I, I, I would come home during the holidays, and my mind started thinking, you know what, maybe I, should, maybe I should move back to Columbus. At that time, and it's still, there's a big revitalization going, going on in the city. And uh, very welcoming. There's a great arts community here. And so there were all these little elements here and there that I thought, you know what, maybe I should go back. So I kind of, I got to a point where I started making a plan and I thought, you know what, I'm, that's it, I'm done. So I made like a six month plan and I left in January of 12, but I'll get back, I'll come back to Columbus, get myself acclimated and then really try to figure out a way where I can start producing art 24 seven, if you will. So I came back, worked another, another corporate job, but I knew that that was going to be just a trial kind of thing, a short-term thing, just enough to get myself situated where I could make that, that jump, if you will. And, uh, did that for about a year and a half. And again, at, during the time I'm producing work, I'm producing work during any free time after work on the weekends. That was my, again, that was my main goal that I wanted to start finding my voice and, and, uh, producing work again, you know? So I did that. And then 
uh, you know, occasionally I was doing this series of, they were more urban. I wouldn't say so much suburban, but started doing this small body of work of aerial photos of neighborhoods. They're almost, I mean, they're nothing like what I'm doing now. They were very, very flat via very geometric because it's basically was just shapes and colors and that kind of, you know, there's not a lot of detail because you're, you know, you're working from something that's an aerial. So you're losing all of that, all of the little nuances. So, um, I did that and kind of, again, I'm just trying to get myself acclimated back into painting pretty much nonstop. So I did that for a while and then, um, wasn't entirely happy with it, but again, I just kept kind of going with it to, to work out the kinks and, you know, and just as part of the process, I guess, you know, as you can see from my website, a lot of the oil paintings that I have on there, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of utilities and that type of electrical poles and that kind of stuff. And so one day I go to, a, I went to a bookstore and again, I'm not totally happy with the aerial paintings, but I'm still trying to work through it. And, uh, went to a bookstore it was in this, it was like this time of the year, August, you know, and I'm, I'm walking out of the bookstore and I just happened to look up and I just see this kind of like great mass of spaghetti wires, this symphony of wires with this, this beautiful old home behind it. The home had a patina, so it wasn't like something out of, you know, uh, a magazine or anything, but I just really liked this kind of play that was happening between both of these, the, these, uh, you know, elements, if you will. And, uh, so I made this really small painting. I mean, it was six by six. It was a little guy. I, I made that. And that was the first painting I had made in years where I thought, all right, I'm, I like this. This is something that I've, maybe I should really actually delve into it more and try to really try to develop something along this, you know, something within that realm. So that was kind of like the precursor to everything, obviously, that I'm doing now. But that was the piece. Like when I think back of that piece, that was like the one where I'm like, okay, I found it. This is what I want to do for a while. You know, and I mean, I'm still doing it. I've kind of not doing so much of that now, but I still gravitate towards that. I will, I'm sure at some point, go back to that kind of that kind of upward perspective. I don't know. There's just something I like that happens with the tops of these structures. And again, this kind of cluster of all these wires and how they cut across the sky and just all of that that kind of happens. But that one piece, that little six by six painting was just the, again, it was just the piece that I made. And I thought, this is it. And that was what I really, really started focusing on. And as I'm doing that, I started making a small body of work. And again, I was really happy with what was happening. I started looking at possibly maybe presenting my work to, to a gallery. You know, again, I wanted to be making work full time. And I, for me, that was going to be part of the equation. That was a body that I really felt good enough about it that I could actually present it to somebody and say, here, look at this portfolio, you know, and get, and tell me what you think. And, or, you know, and that's kind of, that was kind of how it started for me. And that was, I mean, that was four years ago, four and a half years ago, four years ago. I've been making work as a full-time artist for a little over three years. So I presented that work to a gallery that represents me here in Columbus. Some of the work was some of the utility based and some of it was the aerial base uh, stuff. And they were, they shot me a, 
an email, a, a polite, no, thank you, you know, whatever it was. And then, so I'm going back to still continuing that kind of developing that whole, that series. And then oddly enough, one of the gallery owners, she came across my work randomly. And this was the entire body of that work at the time, what I had made up until that point, even though I was still producing more. And she found this work and basically said, hey, let me represent you. And that's been four years now. So that was the first gallery that I got into, which was nice. You know, I starting step, you know, starting point. So you kind of describe this, you know, first moment that you had while you were, you know, exiting a store. Mm -hmm. Is that how the process starts for you? You're kind of like walking around and maybe you kind of see something that kind of, you know, you just see it in your head as like, oh, this would be like a a great painting, you know? Yeah, um, that's I mean, that's how it started. And that's how I still do things now. You know, it just varies a lot of times. Um, It's either walking or driving around or just kind of on the hunt, if you will. Like I'm just, you know, constantly looking for something that may, that may, you know, catch my eye. Again, I let it happen very organically. I mean, there's times where I may take a walk and go to a specific area and look for something and nothing speaks to me. And there are other times where I've maybe driven by this location 50 times and I just happened to go by one time and something caught my eye as I'm driving by. So I have to stop and get out and, and, and see if I can capture that. So then I can, then I can reproduce it in paint. That's basically how it happens for me. I, 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 I will go on a walk or a drive and, just look for something to speak to me. And then I will uh, go back through the images later on and see if, go through them and see what works, what doesn't work or crop things or, you know, see, look at the composition, see what, what may, you know, there may be potential or not. But um, it's, for me, it's very, very simple. There's not a lot of, not a lot of process behind it. And when it, in the way of finding the images, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, yeah. It's, it seems like it's a, you know you're taking a lot of photographs and then using them as as this reference and then you know deciding the format or you know what mm-hmm. you really want in it. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, and again, very similar process to my, to myself. I so. I would say so. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I guess I'm curious: is there like a particular way that you kind of began working through these in, in terms of, I don't know, do you do preliminary drawings? Do you just kind of go for it or? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Sometimes there are sketches made to be honest with you. I'm just taking images off of my phone. So it's not like I'm schlepping around a camera with me all of the time. So years ago, I mean, there was more in the way of, uh, with the process of preliminary sketches. And now, I mean, again, I'm walking around with an iPhone so I have a camera, so I'm snapping stuff, you know, it's right there. I can, you know, you're grabbing the phone and taking images of it. So now it just depends, you know, it's just depends on the day and the mood and everything else where sometimes I'll do both. Sometimes I'll just jump into it after I've looked at an image, a photo, and I'll kind of see what works and crop it down and, and I'm, and I'll just go into it, just jump in head first. That doesn't always work out, but, you know, um, normally that's how I work. And is there any kind of like, and I don't mean to make this sound weird, but like a formula that you kind of go through? I mean, because there's, you know, nice variation in terms of the, the types of buildings. I mean, some look like they're more like storefronts versus residential or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there anything at this point where you, I guess, aren't surprised when you see something and you're like, that's a painting right there. 
No, I'm still surprised quite often, actually. Um, you know, it's just when you see something that, you know, it resonates with you. Again, that's, man, that's got to be a painting. I have to turn that into a painting. So it's, you know, it's, it varies. But again, there's no, um, I'm not really saying that it's going to be one specific type of building. And actually, you know, a lot of times I feel like the buildings are even secondary to some of the work. It's not really about the buildings. It's about what everything else is happening or how that building is interacting with all of these different elements or, but there's just, you know, it's just whatever speaks to me, whatever I think that has to be reproduced in paint. Again, it's, for me, it's very organic. I just let it kind of, I let it speak to me if that's an easy way to put it, I guess. Well, and to think about it within the context of, you know, all the the paintings that you have on your website, Mm -hmm. which is again, ChristopherBurke.com. No E on Burke. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting because you kind of have like a a number of these lineal elements kind of like set up with these, you know, these homes or buildings or, Mm -hmm. you know, and then these these flagpoles, I was going to say, but they're, you know. Uh, electricity poles and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's mm-hmm. these linear elements that kind of like sometimes they they line up. I mean, again... They do, you're right. It's interesting to kind of see the way that, you know, your eye can move around the composition in some cases without a lot of building and just a lot of sky and these... There's a lot of skyscapes that happen. Yeah, yeah. That's the nice thing I like about the lines because, you know, the fluidity kind of happens with it. But a lot of times... There's a lot of sky in that in those oil paintings and that in that body of work. And it's yeah, I don't know. I, it just it works for me. And again, to think about it relative to the scale, I mean, like if we look at some of these, they're kind of maybe on this small to mid scale, you know. Yeah. You know, nine by 12. I, I tend to I tend to paint small. I, I every once in a while I'll do some fairly large pieces, but there's just I've always kind of gravitated towards smaller work. I would say an average piece is, you know, a, a, as a, you know, a 24 by 24 for me. In terms of time then, you know, like how, how, what's the process like in terms of working through these? Are you working through like a bunch of like underpaintings and then you get all the skies, yes. you let them dry off and then you're able to kind of go back in or? Pretty much lots of layers and it's a slow process. But more than one at, at a time. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, uh. Right now, I have 12 going on in the studio at the moment of oils. So, you know, I can always flop around on all of, you know, on each one when I'm waiting for one to dry enough because, you know, uh, surface is a big thing for me. And I, if you see an oil, one of my oil paintings in, in person, there's, they're just, they're smooth as can be. And it's, again, working in a lot of thin layers, that building up of, that slow building up of, of pigment. And so drying, I have to wait, you know, obviously I have to let it dry before I work on to the next layer. So that's the great thing about having multiple pieces going that, you know, you can still stay somewhat productive while you're waiting for things, you know. In terms of that process, like, again, like how long does it typically take you to work through something? I get people asking me this quite often, and I never really, I always think to myself, like, Yeah. You know, if I really broke it down, if it's a continuous type of thing, if I'm working on it day in and day in, day on, you know, whatever, depending upon the size and the, and the, and the complexity, you know, I would say on average 60 to to 75 hours, maybe could be less, could be a little more, you know, just depends. Could be more if things aren't working or, you know, you have to rework things here and there, but for the oils, um, yeah, I would say that's probably about average for a medium sized piece. It's interesting for me because, like, I, I, again, I, 
rarely ever work on that many paintings at once. It seems like a slow process to get up to like something like five, you know, picking up something, putting it down mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and allowing all those things to dry. I'm kind of curious, is there something about that too, if you've got 12 going, that makes it, I guess, a little bit more easy in terms of like when you're working through the process, you're not as caught up in whether or not something's going to be what you think it's going to be right away. Do you know what I mean? Like you allow the painting to kind of get resolved and not worry so much about it. Because I I know, again, I've talked to a number of artists that might even just work on one thing at a time. And I think that's the kind of painting or something where you're really white knuckling it because you don't want to screw up. Whereas if you've got all these different investments and you're building them up, you kind of allow them to all to kind of like, I don't know, do their thing, I guess. I would say so. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, For me, that's, I would say so. Yeah. Do they ever just like tank where you're just like, Oh, there's that happened. That happens plenty of times. You put them away for a while and come back to them every once in a while and see if they see if you can resolve what's happening. But I mean, overall, I just kind of let them resolve themselves and and just kind of come together, you know. Well, I would imagine just based on the compositions too that some of the challenge and, and fun of it is just to do something that doesn't seem quite like the rest of them, or there's, you know, like. And again, I'll throw out something specific that you'll be like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I remember that painting. Astoria Queens, number one. Um, oh, kinda, uh-huh. There's kind of like this interesting, looks like a... My know, old neighborhood when I lived in New York, yeah. It looks like there's like some chimney or something that's just kind of hanging off. So occasional, there'll be these things that kind of almost interrupt or just seem like they're, I don't know, just placed in there like the way that you would see them on the ground as you're taking mm-hmm. the photo. And I, I, mm-hmm. I would imagine that makes it more candid, but... It's interesting because when you look across them, there'll be ones where, you know, there's a big facade on one area or, you know, like, again, it seems like you allow the compositions to really shift with each of them. Yes, very much so. Um, I kind of like the, the the randomness that happens, like you said, when you brought up in the, the one piece where it's just this kind of, you know, this lone uh, out of place kind of element. Very rarely when it comes to the images, do I... Um, I don't do a lot of editing. I mean, if, if, if I find something that really works and there is one portion that, you know, I, again, coming back to like, this has to be painted and there's maybe something that doesn't work. I'll, I'll leave that out. But I, I try to stay pretty true to the way that I, that I experience them that I could, you know, if somebody asked me where this is and I could say, you know, it's, it's here and they could go and actually see it for themselves. And it, it's, it's, that's what it is. You know, I don't do a lot of editing every once in a while. You know, if something's not working out, I'll kind of, you know, maybe leave that out or something like that or throw the image into Photoshop for a minute and just kind of paint that out to see if I like out of the uh, composition. And in terms of the process of actually painting them again, you you paint on panel, which I would imagine keeps the oils. Very much so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Prime them a few times. You're good to go on them. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you used any magical, you know rare earth uh properties no. uh, gesso <laughs> no. or yeah no no um, just normal just normal uh wood panel gesso and in terms of like paint do you have like a preferred brand or mix and match uh, and i know it's a painter's a of, question but <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a mix and match i would say i tend to use a lot of if i think of my paint box windsor and newton i and utrecht those are the two brands that i that i would say that there are they're the majority of the, of the, of the paint that I use. And I guess just cause I asked a, a painter about this recently in terms of like a palette, is it really expanded? Like you got every color under the sun or is it like kind of fine tuned or. 
I would say it's fine tuned. I know what colors I mainly use, so those are the ones that I constantly keep in stock. Every once in a while, I'll you know I'll maybe mix it up a bit and uh, try something else. But overall, I would I pretty much stick with the same in the way of uh, what kind of colors I keep in my from my palette yeah it's funny to me because i remember a couple of years ago just grabbing a whole bunch of stuff and just like i'm gonna i'm gonna bring all these paints out and use them and i think mm-hmm. for the most part like 70 percent of them have just stayed in the same spot you know there are a few that i have that either someone's given to me or i've just purchased on a whim and that has happened they've just kind of sat there collecting dust but you know i guess in terms of thinking about some of the other work um especially the works on paper Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, just to talk about the first series that's in there from the Vermont Studio Center, the gouache pieces. Mm-hmm. Is some of that just like based then on circumstances in terms of like, again, it might be easier to work through gouache quickly um, and um, at that scale um, versus like you're going to do some small, you know, like ink drawings or uh, like how do some of those different processes work? Like, are you working on oil paintings and drawings and gouache stuff? like all at the same time, essentially, or? Uh, not so much with the drawings, but with the oils and the gouache, because I've been working on two shows for this year, and one's an oil show and one's a works on paper gouache show. So I've kind of been going back and forth with both of the mediums. But I would say, like, when you, when you mentioned the Vermont Studio Series, that kind of body of work, that was a more of a, I would say, a circumstantial kind of thing, because when I traveled there. So I was flying there. I didn't want to ship a bunch of materials to, to myself. And so I thought, you know, I, instead of this was last fall. So prior to that, pretty much always painting in oils. I hadn't used gouache or any water-based paints in, in years. And, um, not entirely sure how it happened, but I just thought, you know what? I haven't used gouache in years. I'm going to just buy a bunch and take with me to Vermont, do a, some work on paper. Again, something that besides a drawing here or there, it's not, I, I'm, it's not a surface I normally use too often. Again, it's with the oils, I'm using a lot of wood panels. So that was just something that I was, I've been using for quite a while. So anyway, I thought I'm going to take some materials with me that a, I can fly with. They're transportable. They can go with me. I don't have to worry about losing them and replacing them. And because I'm not sure if you're familiar with Vermont Studio Center, but it's in a very small town, you know, and, and being there for a month, I didn't have a car. So you're kind of, everything's there in the town. Thankfully there is, I didn't realize this, realize this at the time, there was an art supply store. So that was kind of nice. But anyway, so I just thought, you know what, instead of doing oils, I want to do something a little different, kind of get out of my comfort zone, if you will. And that's where the kind of the gouache came back in to into play after being dormant for 15 plus years. And then that series, the medium and the use was circumstantial, but also to the imagery because, uh, what had happened is, uh, I knew that I was, when I got there, I was going to probably just paint what I found because that's just normally what I do. And, um, yes, that's what I did, but I turned it into this whole night series and it was just basically the buildings that I passed on my evening walk back to my housing after being in the studio all day. It was just kind of little random snapshots of what I was finding in this 
very small Vermont town. Yeah, it seems like some of those nightscapes, too, it seems like they might relate also to the most current series, the, the one that you're going to yeah. be showing coming up. I, I look at that Vermont Studio Center series as kind of the the precursor to, to the show that I have opening up next month that's a works on paper nocturne scenes of the urban landscape. When it came to the oils, I would always get a lot of times people asking me to – or mentioning that I should paint more night scenes and there people just, there's something about a, a night. I don't know. There's the mystery that happens behind it and all of that, the solitude. And, and, um, it's just something that I didn't really do a lot with the oils. And, um, I, I thought, you know what, maybe that's what I'll play with when I was in Vermont. I, I again, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I, the first night there, I just happened to be walking back and Really liked what was happening with this one structure and the light and how everything was – it was almost kind of abstract in a way because there was so much of this vast darkness and just little – these little pops of light coming from the windows. And it wasn't about the details, which is normally what the daytime paintings, if you will, the oils, there are a lot of details that are involved. But this, it was – I felt like I was kind of trying something new for myself where, again, they were kind of abstract in a way. So I did this series for a month while I was there for four weeks and just got really, really great feedback from some of my gallerists and friends and colleagues and all of that. So I thought, you know what, maybe I should kind of play with this. And I, the other thing is I really like the immediacy of the gouache. It's something that I forgot that I really enjoyed as an oil painter where I'm talking about time and you're waiting for things to dry and they may take a day or, you know, something like that. These long periods where with the gouache, you know, what you're laying that pigment down and it's almost drying instantaneously. So you, you can build up those layers fairly quickly. And I like that, that there was just this quickness about it, but not that the work was sloppy in a way. It just, it was, I guess, more efficient. I don't know if that's the way to put it, but, um, so that was kind of that Vermont series was kind of the precursor to this show that I have opening next month. Again, because I, I really enjoyed the way the images came out, but the feedback from, again, from collectors and gallery owners, and they really enjoyed them. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to maybe do this as a series for a show. And I had been presented this, this show and it was just a matter of trying to find the concept for it. And, um, I've never done it just a entire works on paper show. So that was the other thing. Like for me, it was kind of stepping out of my comfort zone in a way where it's not a show solely based with oil paints, you know, it's all works on paper, a water-based medium, all of that, all those little elements like that. I, I like the the idea that it was, again, getting out of that comfort zone, you know, that safety that I was used to with the other kind of uh, – with the other medium. And it, almost in a way like, you know, because you had a lot more power lines and some of that work that came before that, it seems like this is like a that weird – like little avenue of exploration in these series, you know, like some of these interesting nightscapes. And then also like for me, again, I just, in my head, I'm thinking of all this, you know, foliage that you see at night where things just kind of eventually are black illuminated. Out. Yes, right. Right. But they black out into the distance, you know, into the horizon. Mm -hmm. That's one thing that I, that was kind of the appeal of, of this series in the precursors that were made in Vermont too, is, is the fact that there is so much negative space and it's, they were kind of the, and at least in my mind, the kind of the polar opposite from the other pieces that I was that I do the oils, where it's not so much about the negative. There's all these other things that are happening. And how many how many paintings are in this this new series then? Uh, 
25 I've made for the show. Oh, so you've been cranking away for a year, essentially. Uh, yeah, for the yeah, for the most part, for the most part. Um, they're all small work. The largest piece is um, I think it's an 18 by 20 or 12 by 16, something within that range. I still kept them fairly small, but uh, yeah, 25 pieces total. Um, again, all of evening scenes. Some are much more darker, where there's there's a lot of um, negative space that happens, and and some of them there. It's just all these different time periods throughout the evening. Some are a little dusky. Some are deep in the evening. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say one thing that we haven't talked about is you know mm-hmm. people's reaction to your work. I mean, I'm sure that you get people telling you all the time like this is my neighborhood I, you know wow people identify with it it does resonate with people for sure it could be almost anywhere you know it doesn't matter where you grew up it, people do identify with it to be kind of like investigating it for so long for yourself then i mean is there something mm-hmm. that you are really kind of after is it just kind of that formal quality of time space and place being in this environment and capturing it pretty much pretty much I mean, there's yeah. something that's like awe-inspiring and just about observation. You know what I mean? Just observing mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. in this right, like place and time that's magical, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. Again, you've got twenty some paintings then for this exhibition. Um, mm-hmm. Are there other things that you have coming up that you're excited to be like moving on towards, or have, are you going to wait until? The exhibition, you know, comes down before you <laughs> move on to making new work. In addition to that show, I have a, a show that's going back to the oils. Um, so that's kind of what the two things that I've been working on for this year. I'd like to kind of develop this this works on paper series, but I'm not entirely sure what to do with it or how to go about it. But so in addition to having that finished, to go back to your question. For the remaining of remainder of the year, I'm just kind of wrapping up the other works that I have for this show in November. So that's kind of just been my focus pretty much for the for this for 2017 for the most part. And so again, your website is Christopher Burke No E. Uh, Correct. Com. And again, yeah. you are on Instagram and Facebook. Is that like a place that people should go and, and check out your stuff? Are you fairly active there doing stuff? I share quite a bit of work on on uh, Instagram. Uh, I, I enjoy that as a, as a visual platform to, you know, for other people to see your work. Um, and that's at, uh, my handle for Instagram is, uh, roofline studios. Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, it's uh, been really fun to talk with you about your work and, to to find out more about it. And again, I really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the invite. Thank you, David. Thanks once again to Christopher Burke for joining me. Of course, if you want to find out more about Christopher, check out his website, ChristopherBurke.com. Again, you can find the news section, which has his announcements for his upcoming exhibitions, including Stillness, Nocturnes by Christopher Burke, that opens September 1st from 5.30 to 8 p.m. at Brandt Roberts Gallery in Columbus, Ohio. And then again in November, a solo exhibition at George Billis Gallery. So that's November 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. Of course, go to ChristopherBurke.com for more information. Just another reminder that our 2017 Pro Competition is now underway through September 1st, so if you are a visual artist, apply. Once again, our juror this year is Bill Conger of Heartbreaker Gallery. He'll be selecting three artists for an upcoming feature on Studio Break and one artist for a solo exhibition at his space, Heartbreaker, in Peoria, Illinois. 
In addition to that, Osage Arts Community will be selecting an artist for an upcoming two-week residency at Osage Arts Community in Bell, Missouri. So again, the prizes are sweet. The application process is super simple. You submit a small fee and email 10 images and an artist statement, or just simply submit your website and you are done. So once again, if you are interested and you are a visual artist, in the world apply today if you know any other visual artists please help us spread the word and encourage them to apply as well we really appreciate it i would like to take a second to let people know that osage arts community is taking applications through september 1st so if you are looking to get away from the world and you just want to make work at the foothills of the ozarks check out osage arts community once again located in bell missouri they have studio spaces as well as a rich community to make work in so once again check it out you can find the information on studiobreak.com If you enjoyed today's podcast, please check out all the episodes that you missed on studiobreak.com. Again, we have a big archive section, and each of our posts have images of the artist's work, as well as links to their websites and these interviews, which you can listen to right in the default player, or just click that iTunes link, go to the iTunes store, and subscribe to the podcast. Of course, if you leave us some comments and feedback there, it does help us with visibility, so please do that. You can also help by spreading the word via social media. Once again, you can like us on Facebook, so please do that. Brand Spanking New is our Studio Break YouTube account, so please check us out there. Our interview with Greg Edmondson is now up, and again, there will be more to come. In addition to that, you can follow us on Twitter, at Studio Break, and brand new is our Instagram account, Studio underscore Break, so please be sure to follow us there. I would like to thank Skylar Mail, who provides the music to Studio Break. You can check out his website and work at SkylarMail.net. If you'd like to see some of my work, please visit davidlinaway.com. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at davidlinaway. And with that out of the way, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you real soon.